Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. I am so excited to be joined on the Breaking Money Silence podcast today with somebody that I recently met at a financial advising conference in the fall. She's doing wonderful work uh, in the intersection between healthcare and financial services. Her name is Dr. Carolyn McClanahan. McClanahan, very Irish uh, name, which is awesome. Uh, she's a physician turned financial planner, a really great resource um, on the interplay between health and financial issues. Uh, and in addition to working in her financial planning practice and working with clients, she's a speaker uh, and she talks on issues such as aging, chronic illness, end of life, long-term care, healthcare reform, and healthcare costs, all hot button issues these days. She is also the co-founder of Wealth Care Planning, the gold standard in aging planning software, which she'll talk about a little bit later in the show. She writes for Forbes and Financial Planning Magazine. She has been quoted in the, uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNBC, and also has appeared on NPR. She is a great resource, as I said, and somebody that I have the honor uh, to present with this coming year at the Investment News Women Advising Summit. I believe she's going to be at least at the one in Chicago, if not uh, all of them. So thank you uh, for joining us today, Caroline, and welcome to the show. Um, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so the myth you brought today is one that's uh, you know touches close to home in terms of breaking money silence and then an area that I think is really important uh, in terms of talking with our aging parents uh, about finances. And the myth you um, decided to bust wide open today is I'll know when I'll need help managing my finances when I get old. So tell the listening audience a little bit about what motivated you to pick that myth. So as a practicing physician, which is my former career, and now a financial planner, I deal a lot with elderly people and elderly patients. Even as a doctor, one of the things that people would come in to um, see us about as physicians is that you know I'm having trouble managing all my affairs and my finances. And as I became a financial planner, I, I realized this is a huge problem, you know, elder fraud and abuse is significant. And the reason that happens is as we get older, we lose the ability slowly but surely to be able to manage our finances and to make those higher decisions around complicated financial issues. And so I made it my issue, I mean, my mission early on to 
address these problems because we shouldn't have to worry about losing our ability and our and being the um, at risk of fraud and abuse and you know because people's biggest risk of financial um, ruin is actually from their own um, incapacity so why is it that there's so much fraud and abuse or so much um, concern around you know managing finances when we get older or maybe a different way of saying is it is like why is that so hard for us to talk about um, and why does that become such a problem? Well, you know, people don't like losing control. And as we age, we lose the ability to do things that we used to do. So, you know, in our 50s, we we start losing some of our physical capabilities and can't run as fast or as far as we used to. And likewise, the ability to manage complicated finances starts to decline in our 50s. And we, you know, the reason we can't talk about it is because people hate admitting that they can't do things anymore. And so they're afraid and they don't want people coming in and messing in their business and taking control. And then what happens is they have lost the uh, that higher decision-making capability around finances and, and it makes it easy for people to t- um, take advantage of them. And that's what increases the risk of fraud and abuse. Now, do you find that people who are taking advantage of um, the elderly tend to be family members or outside of the family or is it both? Oh, the majority of fraud and abuse is by family members, people who are close to you. And sometimes it's not intentional to start, um, you know, people just, you're easy pushover. And you've, especially if you've had a child that you've supported in the past or given money to in the past, it's easy for them to, to you know, push your buttons and have you give them more money. And then those problems can escalate. And before you know it, it turns into full on um, financial abuse. Wow. And so, you know, two things are striking me right now. One is I'm going to be 52. And so I didn't realize my cognitive decline may be starting now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, but what, what you, you lose resiliency is what you lose. And so making quick fa- financial um, decisions or dissecting complicated financial products, it gets a little more difficult. And if you're, if you have good financial literacy, which I encourage everybody improve your financial literacy, that that improves your ability to take care of your finances longer. But number two, you also gain in wisdom um, over time. And one of the things that I tell people is, you know, learn to verify. It's like people become too trusting as they get older because they think they've seen it all before, but you still have to verify. Don't let anybody make um, have you make quick decisions, which is what a lot of high pressure salespeople tend to do. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think the financial literacy piece and also the idea that even, you know, part of being financially literate is um, being open to working with consultants, whether it's an advisor or a salesperson or whatever the case may be, but also knowing that it's still your responsibility to, um, you know, check the facts and make sure it's a decision that you want to make. Yep. I think the other thing is, you know, in terms of breaking money silence in general, as you know um, from from reading my book, is the the fact that this is such an important topic for families to be talking about. And I know in my family, while there were certainly things we didn't talk about, one of the things we did was about getting older and estate planning and some of the um, healthcare decisions that my parents had made up front um, that, you know, we should know as adult children. So they did a fairly good job, but I know that we're the exception of the rule. Can you say a little bit uh, about why it's so difficult for people to talk to their adult children uh, about this topic of finances and, and maybe even share a story that you have? 
Well, every family is different. And some people, they they talk about money and they have good conversations around money throughout childhood and in adulthood. And the older generation, you know, especially the silent generation, all that money just wasn't a subject that was to be broached. Now, with aging issues, you've got two things. You're, you're worried about losing control, but plus you have to share these things you didn't want to share, especially if you have kids that are um, disparate in how they approach money. You might have one spendthrift child and a child who's very responsible. What conversation do you have with those, those children? I mean, should it be the same conversation or should it be very different? And one of the things that we encourage and, and part of my work is to get families to talk about this and not only talk, say, oh, I've done my estate plan. Here's what I have. But who's going to take care of these things when I'm older? So you might have one child who's going to take over the bill paying. You might have another child who's going to help with the house upkeep. And then coming to dis- agreements with your children on when you're going to do things such as move to assisted living if that um, needs to happen? Is it going to be when you think it's going to happen or when the children think you're not able to take care of yourself? So it goes beyond just saying, oh, I have my documents. Here's how much I have, but actually plan the logistics of aging. That's so important. So I agree with you. And I know that a majority of people find this a really hard conversation to have. Um, Is there any way if you are buying into the myth that, you know what, I'll need... um, I'll know what I need help to manage my finances as I get older. Say you buy into that myth, right? And you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh, I'll have that conversation later. Um, Is there any upside to that? Is there any way in which that can work for an individual or a couple or a family? Um, frankly, no. <laughs> and one the reason why is in, in me, you know, I was a, previously an emergency room doctor. You never know when things are going to happen. And if you do not have these things spelled out, it's it's it can be too late. So, for example, if you've ever seen the movie Still Alice, it's a woman who got um, early onset um, Alzheimer's and she made this great exit plan. Well, I don't know if you consider it great, but she she had this plan about how she was going to commit suicide when she got too far along. Well, what happened? She got too far along and couldn't execute her plan. And so I'm not so we're we're not talking about committing suicide if you get Alzheimer's, but we're talking about turning over financial decision making. You don't know when things are going to happen. It may be a stroke. It may and so we're not talking just about dementia here. You may have a car wreck that puts you out of commission for a few months. And do you have everything set and ready for people to know where it is, how to get at it, and so that they can help you? So these are very uncomfortable conversations. I highly suggest if families have problems around these conversations, there's a great book called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. And it takes you through how to have hard conversations around difficult subjects. Oh, that's a great recommendation. We will definitely put that in the um, uh, section where we uh, share resources. Um, That's a great recommendation. And so- I've read that book four times. I always have to I give myself refresher classes periodically, and I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> yes, I think that speaks to the fact that these are difficult conversations. One of the things that I find um, that even though they're difficult, once you have one or two of these or you have it um, in conjunction with a financial planner who can facilitate that conversation, that there actually can be some nice parts of the conversation or it can actually be not just difficult, but uh, rewarding in terms of what you can learn 
uh, about your kids or what they can learn about you. I mean, have you experienced that as well in your work? Oh, yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, is people are afraid of these conversations because they're afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of the reactions that are going to occur. And once people have these conversations, it's like this huge weight's been lifted off, not just them, but their whole family. And, and so a perfect example I can share, I have, um, so, you know, I've, I've developed this software with another um, person on recognizing when you're having issues around financial decision-making. And we use this in all our clients. And we had a client that actually tested what we call yellow. You have green is good, yellow is a concern, and red is bad. And yellow on our test means, gosh, you know, you're having some issues around financial decision-making. It's time to implement your financial caretaking plan, which we create these caretaking plans in advance for every client. Because like I said earlier, you never know when things are going to happen. And so we had a family meeting, all their their two children and and the um, spouse was there. And we went through everything that was going on. And this, of course, is with the client's permission in advance, and they knew what was going on. And it's like everybody just breathe this huge sigh of relief knowing, yes, he's having issues, but we've got a plan. We know, you know, we know we've got each other's back here. And so the family was just so grateful. Yeah, I think it is a great gift to give your adult children, or if you're an adult child and you need to kind of broach that subject with your aging parent, it also can be a gift to open that door. I mean, I think sometimes um, you know, parents who are maturing are actually relieved when somebody brings up the topic. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I come from the track and field world. And one of the sayings in track and field is perfect practice makes perfect. And one of the things that I tell people is this is a conversation that you should have once a year. You know, just brief. The first one needs to be big, uh, saying, "Hey, we're going to start having conversations about money." But I call it the yearly audit about where where are we about our money situation and and how we're taking care of it. And by having these conversations, they become more comfortable because they become more familiar, and so people aren't as afraid of these conversations. Yeah, like with practice, yeah, it, you always get a little bit better at it and a little bit more comfortable. So if somebody's listening right now and they're saying, okay, I, I know that I should do this, but I don't know how to begin this quote unquote big conversation, or I would even reframe that as kind of the initial conversation that might last a little bit longer before you're doing these annual upkeeps. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of tips would you offer people who are listening on how to kind of begin these conversations? Well, the first thing they need to do is get all their affairs in order. You know, make certain that you have you've done everything that you've needed to do. Do you know where all your accounts are, or, or do you have accounts spread everywhere? Maybe you should simplify them. Have you done all your estate planning documents? Have you um, done made all your healthcare decisions and thought about what quality of life is important to you so your healthcare surrogate can help you make the right decisions? So have your affairs in order, and then spell it out. And you know, write uh, write basically a love letter to your family of here's what I've done, here's what needs to be done. And think through who's going to help you in each of those situations. And there's there's four major situations that people need to think about. The first is um, financial decision making. And so if you can no longer take care of your finances, who's going to do that? The second is living situation. 
wherever you're going to live, who's going to make certain that you're safe and okay in that living situation? And are they going to help you keep up the house or at least hire people to help you keep up the house? The third is driving. This causes a big bone of family contention there is if you can no longer drive, what's your plan for getting around? And then the last is healthcare decision making. Who's going to make your healthcare decisions if you couldn't speak for yourself? And have you shared with them and your entire family so nobody argues and your um, healthcare providers, what quality of life is important to you so they can make the right decisions for you. And so you need to think through that, have everything ready and, and, and think in advance who you want to fill those roles and be prepared for that conversation to make certain you ask them, are you willing to take on this role? And I like that it's a question because sometimes we assume that a certain uh, child or a certain person would be uh, a good fit for that uh, role. And then when you find out that maybe they're not up to it, or maybe they say, you know, instead of paying the bills, I'd be much better at doing, um, you know, healthcare advocacy for you or something like that. So I, I like that it's a dialogue. It sounds like it takes a fair amount of time, though, to get your um, ducks in a row in order to be able to then have that conversation. Uh, at what age or at what stage of life do you think people should start this process? Well, it's a continuum, really. The first thing people should do, of course, is create a financial caretaking plan for themselves. And that's like making certain that there's somebody to take care of things that they ever become uh, incapacitated where they can't. And and I tell, you know, I, I like to make commitments to things by announcing that I'm going to do them. And so if you if you need to have this conversation with your children, you said I call it planting seeds. You plant the first seed of saying, hey, I'm trying to get all my stuff in order. I'm not worried about anything. I just want to make certain if anything ever happens that everybody's prepared. And so I'm, I'm putting together all my finances. And at some point, I want to talk about all this with you. That way you've planted the seed. The kids know it's coming. And then you, that and now you've made a commitment to get those pieces together. And so that needs to start as soon as you, to me, people in their 20, everybody needs to do that. Now, the next part is, you know, and the healthcare decision making, you know, it becomes, you can have things happen to you in your early stages. So people should really do that too. But the older you get, so when you're, especially if you have health issues, that can be early as 40. Definitely when you hit 50, you need to have that conversation. When you hit 60 is when you need to have that conversation about, okay, where am I going to live? What does my living situation look like as I age? And then um, at that same time, the driving. And again, that depends on your health. If you have excellent health and a, a great healthy lifestyle, maybe those conversations can wait a few years. But to me, it's really never too early to have them. If you have an idea of where you want to be as you age. I agree. And I think the driving is a really big one that's that's hard for people. Um, and I know in my family, it was something that was very difficult uh, for my family to take my mother off the road. And it took a lot longer than I would have liked uh, for her to agree uh, to stop driving. Uh, what was interesting is that my father, right after that, uh, signed a piece of paper, I think it might have been from the Alzheimer's Association, that basically was an agreement um, that said, you know, I agree to um, stop driving uh, when you, my designated person, says it's time for me to stop driving. So, yep. it, uh, so it's something in writing that can, you know, they can see later on, especially if they're having some cognitive difficulties, to see that they did initially agree. And it, it, it's kind of a tool that I thought was really interesting um, to put it in writing um, to be helpful in terms of uh, these difficult family transitions. Now, I'm fortunate my father turns 87 tomorrow and has not needed to be taken off the road yet. 
and wow. I am a designated person. Um, but uh, you know, having that document is actually um, something that was comforting at the time. Um, so, how can somebody like you, or I, I know you primarily um, speak now and are a subject matter expert and, and work um, in wealth care planning, but how can a financial advisor, I guess, help somebody in this process? Um, because I know people who are listening, some work with them, some don't. Um, so, tell me a little bit about how an advisor can be helpful uh, so we can understand, um, you know, how to take this next step and, and how that person can, um, I think, coach you through that process. Well, so advisors come in two types, the ones that do real financial planning and the ones that don't, you know, so most people who call themselves financial advisors, almost all of them do investment management, but some of them only take the step further to actually delve into these important things like finances as you age and realizing that a holistic approach to helping you plan for these, you know, all four things as you age is, is the best thing to do for you financially. So there, so first off, it's, it's important to find a good comprehensive financial advisor that is willing to address these issues. And then second, you know, I don't want to plug my own, um, toot my own horn here, but we've created a tool in it that helps advisors take people through this um, planning process. And so basically it has three questionnaires that takes people through the financial decision-making um, process and creating that financial caretaking plan. And then another um, questionnaire that takes them through what are the ideal living, driving, and healthcare decision-making transitions. And then finally, a um, questionnaire that measures their um, cognitive ability to manage their finances. And it's been a validated tool. We um, presented at International Alzheimer, the Alzheimer's Meeting in London last year and just published in the Alzheimer's and Dementia Journal. And so it's a tool, a, a quiz that you take every couple of years to make certain that you're okay with your financial decision making. It is not a test for dementia. It, it, it truly just focuses on the financial decision making piece. So there are a number of advisors out there using that tool to help their clients plan for this issue. So let me ask you this in, in closing, is there a list of the advisors that use that tool anywhere? So if somebody says, "Ooh, I really like, you know, what Carolyn's talking about, I really want to do this a wealth um, care planning tool with my advisor. Um, is there a list of or referrals, or do you just um, ask? That's so, yeah, I know that's so. Um, that's where our tool was just released in July, and we didn't realize that 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 sort of idea was going to be so popular. And so, what I tell people: if you're working with an advisor, ask them if they've used wealth care tools, and if they haven't, you know, it's it's easy for them to access this. And, and the website is w h e a l t h careplan.com. So wealthcareplan.com. And we are planning because the request has been um, pretty significant, uh, planning to create a list of advisors that are using the wealth care platform. Excellent. I'm so excited that I got to uh, meet you at a financial planning seminar and learn more about your tools and then have you on uh, Breaking Money Silence podcast. I really think um, that you've done a nice job uh, busting the myth wide open that somehow, you know, we'll know when it's time to turn things over. Um, and the new thought of, you know what, be proactive now, take these steps now. It's a gift. Um, and it's something that really makes sense for you and your family. Um, yep. So any last words you'd like to share about how people can find you or, or what your next uh, uh, great endeavor will be? 
Well, my next great endeavor is to, um, we're actually creating a, a version of wealth care planning for the public. So, I mean, after after we got this out and released a, a, a number of the people in the popular um, financial press, not in the, you know, advisor press, said, you need to create something for the public because this is huge. And um, so we're in process of that right now, and hopefully we'll have it out um, mid to end of year. And, um, and so that's what I'm going to be working on. In addition, I mean, it's, you can, you can um, email me at um, carolyn at wealthcareplan.com or um, reach out or go to our website. And, and I think there's a connect with us on, on the website. Great. Well, I am so excited to learn about this and to share this with uh, my audience members. You certainly are what I would call a breaking money silence revolutionary. Um, so I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at breakingmoneysilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.